Welcome to Games We Grew Up With, a podcast that relies on nostalgia and a geeky sensibility. Each episode, we'll talk about one of the video games that left an impression on us as kids, put on some rose-tinted glasses, and reminisce about it. Then, we get to replay the game and see how it's held up over the years. This episode, we'll be jumping down the pipe and talking about Super Mario Brothers for the Nintendo Entertainment System. I'm Katie. And I'm Chris. We've got our one-up mushrooms, so let's talk games. I think you mean let's go. Oh, I missed a good up. It was right there. It was right there. Right there, and you missed it. Lose a life, try again. Ow. Intro one one. Save scum. (laughs) (laughs) So very similar in the same vein of this game, but not the same uh, genre necessarily. I just started finally playing Super Paper Mario and the Origami King. That's exciting. I'm finally starting to play that, so that's exciting. It, it's fun so far. We'll see. I'm only I'm probably about an hour and a half, two hours in, so I, I'm enjoying it. That that's for sure. And the origamis are really adorable. I watched producer Lisa play it a little bit, but most of the time she was playing it is when we were playing Super Mario RPG. Yeah. So I was pretty much spending all of my time playing that instead. So I really don't know a lot. I will say immediately started doing timed attacks and they worked ah (laughs) timed attacks (laughs) i know every once in a while producer lisa would give me the switch and be like i need you to beat this it's like i literally have no idea what's going on in the game or how this new combat system works it's really interesting i won't get into it now because that's not what we do on this podcast we don't talk about modern games Hmm. but uh it is actually really really interesting the combat system and the puzzling that they added to the combat system so it's been a lot of fun that's cool. I, at some point, I will go back and play it. I've been in in moments here and there. I've been playing Star Wars Squadrons because mm. I picked that up a while ago and finally started playing that. It's been good, other than the flight controls being really awkward and weird. How's it feel to play that after uh, Chuck Yeager? Uh, it's rough. I, I want to say I alluded to this in the Tech Talk episode, but it's just it's space sim controls, which... It's fine, but yeah, when you're used to actual flight controls, it was it was <laughs> Very kind of obnoxious. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But we've had a chance to play a bit more games lately because of holidays and taking a, being ahead of ahead of the curve for once on the podcast. We are somehow ahead of <laughs> where we should be, so that's nice. So we've been able to play other games. But I think on that note, it is time to get back to our regularly scheduled program for the podcast, which means it's time for video game trope of the day. Trump of the day! Ba-ding! Yeah, ba-ding. I need like a, a, a <laughs> coin sound effect or a, a one-up. Something like that. So, Chris, what is our video game trope of the day? Sorry, your trope is in another castle. <laughs> Just kidding. If you didn't get that joke, the trope of the day is your princess is in another castle. There was just no other trope we could cover today in this episode, except for Absolutely. your princess is in another castle. That's it. That was That's all that it could be. That's all there ever will be for this. This is obviously, um, well, this trope is really extended beyond where it started. It started in this game of you get to the end of your castle level and you think you've beaten the game if you didn't know any better. And you find a toad instead of the princess and he tells you, Thank you, Mario, but the princess is in another castle. And so the idea has evolved into this whole idea of 
you think you're beating a game, you think you're finished something, and you're not. There's another step. There's no level. Sometimes it can even go as far as to sequel baiting of like, you think you've beaten the game, but then at the very end, you see something that like, oh, there's a sequel. That's a lazy, obnoxious way to do it. It is. And it, and the other thing is you can have, this is also its own trope in itself, and we might cover it one day, but I think the MacGuffin falls very much into this same trope of mm-hmm. an item you think is going to save the day, but doesn't. And I mean, you see this all over the place, not just in video games, obviously, too. Any sort of bait and switch right at the end. It's a useful a useful trope when you don't see it coming, I guess. Yeah. But it's become so stereotypical now that it's hard to do it well. Not necessarily in older games, but in certain media types, it's harder to do. So in a book... You know how much is left of the book. So if you suddenly <laughs> yeah. are beating the boss in the book, like you're reading about the boss being beaten in the book and there's 10 more chapters, it's probably not the end. You could kind of tell in a movie if you know that the movie's length to a certain extent. Video games, it used to happen too. This would be something like, oh, you get to the end of disc two and it seems like you're beating the boss, but you know, there's three discs. Right. So have you really gotten the end of the game? No. <laughs> but it can be done, it, it can be executed really, really well as well. Um, this is, it, while it can be a very lazy way of like sequel baiting and stuff, it can be executed really well. Um, some great examples. This is full of spoilers for some more modern games I will throw <laughs> out there. So we're going to be spoiling games. You sh- None of them are within the last decade, but you know, they're not retro, so we might spoil something for you. So uh, an example, the first example I thought of of a good use of this was Bioshock because you think Andrew Reynolds is like the villain the whole time and you finally face him. Right. And then you find out, JK, he's not actually the villain, he's your dad. And then you actually fight Atlas, who's been your quote unquote friend the whole time. Because then he, oh God, what was Atlas's real name? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. What was his name? That's going to bother me. Hold on. I'm going to... I'm definitely not typing. I'm definitely making definitely noise not. so you can't hear that I'm typing. Tap, 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 so that's a perfect example in a more modern game of using it well because you would never have seen it coming up until that point, which is a great right. way of like, you didn't know it was happening. An older game that falls into the same thing of, I think, a great way of using this trope, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. The side scroller, you, you go through the whole thing, you get to Dracula, you kill Dracula, it's really epic, and you think you won, except then literally the whole game basically rewinds and you have to go back through the castle, but upside down. Yeah. So you've explored the whole castle and then you have to do it again upside down. And you never would have known that back then. And that's, that is a brilliant way of doing the princess is another castle. The game is not over yet. I was about to correct you and, and say that it wasn't a side scroller. It was a Metroidvania game. And then I was like, that's a dumb correction. (laughs) Of course, it's a Metroidvania game. Because it is, you know, Vania. It is the Vania of Metroidvania. <laughs> it's half of that. <laughs> uh, you, you see this in a lot, again, if, if you're not familiar with the game itself, or it's not like a disc thing or a book, and you've kind of forgotten how long you've been playing or don't yeah. know how long the game is, 
anytime it opens up a new area, you're like, sweet, I unlocked everything. Yeah. And they're like, all right, let's move on. Start over. Yeah. Have fun. All over again. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is something even before this game we've encountered on the podcast. We had it kind of the fake out with the Donkey Kong Country and the credits with a K. Oh, definitely fooled me. Where you thought it was over and it wasn't. Final Fantasy 2 actually has, I think, one of the closest examples of this is not the princess in that when you rescue the princer, princer? Prancer. Prancer. You, I was about to say you rescue the vixen. Yeah. I was like, well, that actually also sounds reasonable. Darn it. When dancer? you. Rescue when, the dancer. No, that works too. Rescue the. Cupid? Cupid? Blitzen. Blitzen. Yeah. Blitzen, Blitzen is the one. Not right. a thing. It's yes. Not a real word. So. When you rescue the princess from the dirigible and you bring her back and she's weird and you don't know why and you think that you're like, well, I've saved the princess. Just kidding. It's a monster in disguise and you have to save the princess again. So like that's actually a good example of literally it's the princess is not who you think she was. Right. Oh, Mario RPG does a really good example of that when you beat the volcano dragon. And it literally looks like you're about to get the star and the Axum Rangers steal it from you. And, and yeah, sometimes this trope goes a lot into the not even my final form trope. Absolutely. And it does. This is kind of, it's, it's supposed to be a bit beyond that, that it's actually a different thing that comes up. Yeah. You have to do more. But it absolutely falls into that. But, you know, I won't, for the most modern games, I won't spoil this. Still, again, it happens in modern games. Um, I've dealt with it in uh, Persona 5 it happened in uh, World Ends With You I will not spoil those games because go play them go play those games <laughs> but you know it, it is something that can be done really really well and really brilliantly um, it can sometimes just be a MacGuffin that you saw coming a million miles away it can sometimes just be sequel bait so it's an interesting trope it's a lot of fun but this game is the OG this is literally the meme yeah. it's, the it's meme. where it came from yeah the princess is in another castle. There's a million comics. There's a million memes about it. It is one of the most classic tropes of all time. Of course, we had to cover it for this episode. So that wraps up our video game, Trope of the Day. Trope of the Day! That's my trope. <laughs> so let's get down to brass tacks. Katie, what can you tell me about this episode's game? Super Mario Brothers for the Nintendo Entertainment System. So Super Mario Brothers for the NES was released in 1985 and was developed by, of course, Nintendo. So it is your age, Chris. It is. Funny story about that. They actually have no idea when it came out in the States. Because I was I was trying to figure that out because it's the... Yeah, it says late 85. Yeah, it's like, oh, the 35th, 35th anniversary of, of Mario. And I was like, oh, how close to my birthday is it? And then it's like, literally articles that are like, we don't know when this game came out in the States. We yeah. just can't figure it out. It, they know it was after Japan's version, and it came out sometimes in 1985. That's it. <laughs> That's all they know. So, it came out in 1985. It, of course, is a side-scrolling platformer. It is like the er example of side scroller yeah, platformers. Again, the thing is when you come when we're talking about games really on these early systems, the NES, the Atari, if we ever get around to the Atari, because we did have one, so we mm -hmm. might eventually cover Atari games. 
these are when we're talking about the same with the tropes these are the games that created systems so this is like the original side scrolling platformer yes there were others but this is what popularized it this is what brought attention this is why people this is why it became viable is because of games yeah. like this so unsurprisingly, of course, it was very well received at the time it came out. It's hard to find any sort of reviews from the 80s. You know, there weren't exactly websites back then. I was going to say they were all in magazines. <laughs> it's all magazines. So we know that don't exist anymore. Game Rankings has the aggregate score for the NES of an 86. Which is so funny because can you imagine if such a storied franchise came out and it got an 86 now yeah again that goes into another conversation of nowadays if you're not a 92 you're not a good game which is just yeah. such nonsense but yeah it was an 86 on the nes but that's the thing it came it has come out on so many platforms on so many remakes and ports and you know the, it's come out on like every nintendo Everything. system ever <laughs> graphing calculators virtual consoles Minecraft. Yeah, I was going to say, we can go into a little more details about this, but we kind of assume most people know at least a little bit about Super Mario Brothers. It is the OG. If you don't, I'm impressed that you're listening to this podcast, so cheers to you. That's a fair point. Person. Adventurer. Adventurer. <laughs> Adventurer. No, but I think it was really interesting. So we talk about, in other games, we've talked about how games need tutorial levels and how do they intro it to you. And that didn't really exist in this generation of games. They didn't have tutorial levels. So instead, they designed it so that you learn as you go. And producer Kyle pointed this out, I think, even before he looked it up, was that you look at it and like level one, one, the first thing you do is you see one enemy. Then you see one box. Then you see two enemies. Then you can jump on a tube or a pipe. And then you, you slowly learn and you see different enemies evolve as you go and they slowly get more complicated. And then the first time you see a bullet bill and then the way they design the levels is to teach you as you're playing. And that's a really cool concept. But that's also why when Chris and I were playing this again and we did the warp pipe, early and you're not good at the game like you <laughs> fail real bad when you don't necessarily <laughs> need to because you haven't learned how to get past those certain areas so then when you end up going through the game the quote-unquote proper way if you don't know what you're doing you've learned how to deal with it better and you can actually handle those levels a lot better than you did the first time if you try to warp straight to them so it's a really fascinating way of teaching players how to play this game without having any sort of tutorial at all it's the best way to do it, I think, but it that's really just my is. personal opinion. It's a really <laughs> cool way of doing it. And we've talked about, it, again, with other games of levels that teach you without being overt and over the top about it. This is what yeah. it did. And it was so well done because of that. I wish more games would do that. The other thing I wanted to mention before we get into some kind of more fun facts, the Nintendo sign designer uh, Koji Kondo wrote six tracks of score for the game. That's it. Just six, six songs. Now I'm trying to count them in my head. Because there's the the main one, yeah. Underground, yeah. Water, yeah. Castle, yes. Does that include the victory music? I believe so. So that's up to five. What and am the, I missing? And star. Ah, got mm -hmm. it. And then he did all the sound effects as well. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny that it's so simple. This is a game that has six songs and is so simple, but those sound effects and those songs, again, most gamers, not all. But most gamers will recognize at least part of that. And that is yeah. just so cool. They're they're iconic at this point. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that comes into, we like to bring up every once in a while and comes into games like this, of course, is speedruns. 
and the Super Mario Brothers speedrunning community is super active still. It is, you know... That's not terribly surprising. Still, still super active. Yeah, it's not terribly surprising. The Any percentage completion rate, so this is using warps, this is using kind of like glitches to pass through and everything. Mm-hmm. That record was just set a month or so ago. So at late 2020, Nifsky beat the game in four minutes, 55 seconds, and 43 milliseconds, 430 milliseconds. That's crazy. Bonkers. Producer Kyle and I watched the video of it. It's insane. So in this particular community, emulators are actually allowed just because they've tested it and basically said that there is no significant difference between doing an emulator and playing it on the original console. And the other reason they're doing it is because they want to encourage more and more people to play when it's really hard to get a hold of the original consoles so he did play it on an emulator with a keyboard which i thought was really weird to watch someone beat this game on a keyboard i could see where that would be easier see that's what i thought too but they apparently don't agree but the record he broke was set in february 2020 and cosmic did uh, beat the game in four minutes 55 seconds and 646 milliseconds and that's on original hardware it's one or two frames difference. I highly recommend there are so many videos that explain how this speedrunning in this particular community works. They're fascinating. And I highly recommend anyone look like who's interested in this look into it. Super interesting, yeah. Future Katie here. So we recorded this episode a bit early, as we do sometimes. But since we've recorded it, the record has been broken twice, which is kind of shows you how active the speedrunning community is in Super Mario Brothers. It was broken twice since we recorded. So hopefully it won't be broken again before we put the episode out, but it most likely will be broken again after this episode already airs. So future Katie signing back off to past Chris and Katie, who are also the future Chris and Katie of the Chiacarina of Time Chris and Katie. So there's a lot of people running around right now. Time travel's fun. But again, we watched a speedrun. They beat it in under five minutes. I don't think I beat a single level in under five minutes. No, you've only got like two minutes. Uh, Okay, you're right. I have two minutes, Chris, but how many times did I have to do that level in order to get to two minutes? That's fair. That's fair. It's it's really cool stuff, especially if you're you're into the the technical nuts and bolts of this stuff, because like you need to know that to be able to set these speedrunning records. So before we we do our deeper dive into this game, now that we kind of got the background out of the way, why don't we see what memories we had of this game before we played it again? So I think that means it's time to play a tune on our Chiacarina of Time and get our rose-tinted thoughts about this game. You ready? I'm ready. Let's go. With that music, we are now back in the past, ready to discuss. Really, dog? <laughs> Host Nebula is here. Okay. So that music means that we are back in the past, ready to talk with our rose-tinted glasses about Super Mario Brothers. Again, if you're uh, unfamiliar we go back in the past. This is recorded way before the rest of the episode. So we don't have the newness of playing the game to impact our opinions on how we thought of the game as kids and our original playthroughs. So we're back in the past, ready to talk about it. Chris, 
What do you remember about Super Mario Brothers? I remember playing it in Grandma and Pop Ops. Like, that's definitely, that might be one of the first video game experiences that we had, honestly. I think we talked about it in an episode, way back in episode one. Like, this this is the first time we had ever played console gaming. Yeah, absolutely. And and my main memory, uh, and the first thing I will always associate with this game, is playing in uh, Grandma's Extra Bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and Grandma and Pop Pop's Extra Bedroom. And they had, like, three games. They had, well, two games, I guess. Cause it was Super Mario yeah. Brothers and Duck Hunt. And and the casino game. And the casino game, and that was it. And yeah, that's all they had, and that's what we'd play just all the time. And like the, you know, it was the typical grandparents of they bought it solely for the grandkids to come and play the games. Is that why Maybe they not bought the casi- it? Not probably not the casino game, but well, probably not the casino game. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. That is, they also had the mini slot machine in that room. I'm pretty I sure. I loved the mini slot machine too, but <laughs> it was so satisfying, just so satisfying. Oh, yeah. Just get that. Get him hooked on that one arm bandit early. Exactly. But having that game and just we would that we would just play that for so much time just sitting in that back and we room. were so bad at it. Oh, I'm pretty we were sure. terrible. We because we were. I literally don't remember getting out of the second like one two. Did we no, maybe we get to one three? We definitely got beyond that, but it would take time because we didn't know anything about cheats or anything like that. We didn't know about the secret warp levels and the pipe levels that you find out later as adults. I mean, we were so young, too. Yeah, no, I mean, we were babies, essentially. This really yeah. was our first console experience. Um, This was this doesn't relate directly to Super Mario Brothers, but I feel like it can be easily paired in here because Duck Hunt was on the same cartridge. They were at the same game, so we had the light gun. It, we had the light gun, and we would put the, the gun, or at least I would. I'd put the gun directly against the TV to cheat and shoot. Oh, yeah, that was, that was a cheater way to do it. Yeah, absolutely, and that's what we did. You know, in this game... It was a quote unquote, our parents let us play it too because it was a two player game, even though two player was just you flip back and forth. As soon as you die, the other person takes over and there were different yeah. lives and stuff like that. Like, And it was a way to get the kids out of the way. Exactly. And that's exactly it. I mean, that's that's why it was in the back room away from everyone. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, I just we would play this game for hours. But yeah, I mean, it just it was something we still played over and over again. And it was something, of course, yeah. you played at other people's houses and stuff. But well, that's my... what I was trying to remember. Like, I don't remember playing the original Mario at a lot of other people's houses. Like, by the time we got to other people, like, it had kind of moved on from that game. That's Like, true. I remember playing Mario 3 at the neighbor's house a lot. But no, I, I don't think... remember playing the original I, I a think ton. you're right to a certain extent. I, the only other place I kind of have some memories of it is at our babysitter's. Yeah. Uh, at our baby, our babysitter had two older sons, and they had these systems, both the NES and SNES. So I do remember playing at her place. Because, um, again, another place to distract children, put them in front of some video games. Though she was very limiting on how much anyone was allowed to play. Yes. She was strict. <laughs> Our babysitter was very strict. In a good way. She was great. But I that's it. And, and that's, I think, what you're right. We were so... This is definitely one of the earliest memories I have of video gaming, is this game. So, yeah, I, I think that this is going to be a bit of a shorter rose-tinted glasses segment because... That's our true memories are just so far back are some of our earliest video game memories are of this Mm -hmm. game of in our grandparents house just sitting in the back room playing them. Uh, I think a more modern setting of course I've gone back and played it since then especially on emulators and stuff but even then like it's just one of those games that pops up again and there's definitely been 
versions of it that's popped up. There's, uh, you know, most recently Nintendo just had the 35th anniversary and they did the, like the Mario 35 that you're basically playing the original game online, which is really interesting. Yeah, like they turned it into a battle royale. Essentially. Yeah. I mean, I know I've played it beyond that. Like I've played it in other settings. And so there, and you hear about all the, the warp pipe room and stuff like that and the cheats yeah, that was... exist. And, and, and that just isn't something... It was before our time to even have it be playground talk. Like when right. it was when it was originally popular, I'm sure when I look up the dates, or it's just so before our time of when we were playing it, it was already old. Mm-hmm. And you know, it it it's a classic game, but we are, it's we I think we had such a limited experience just because we were so young and we were in a very limited time that we were playing it. And there's certain stuff that you get through, like cultural osmosis type stuff. Yes. Like, I mean, obviously the princess is in another castle. Mm-hmm. You know, you could picture the the boss with Bowser, where you got to jump over him and hit the axe to collapse the bridge. You know, it is it is culturally influential in such a degree that we absolutely have memories that have nothing to do with playing it, but having been surrounded by it by being in the gaming community for as long as we have. But I think we want to keep it truly to our memories of the game, not what we've osmosed over the years. That's impossible for Super Mario Brothers, the original. We're going to try. So, Chris, it's a bit tough, but what would you give it for a rose-tinted score? Oh, probably an eight. Like, it's, it's so hard to tell. Because we were so young when we played it, and I don't think I went back and played it again, really, at all. Like, I played it every once in a while, just for the sake of being like, yeah, I'll play the first level, and then when I died, I just stopped, because I was like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. So, it'll be really interesting to play it again, like, and try to actually beat it. Yeah. So, like, I'm gonna have to go with an 8, because I remember having a good time with it. Mm-hmm. But it was, you know... 25 20 24 years ago like that possibly how old am i oh yeah good lord it might have been 30 years ago (laughs) oh man so this this is i'm gonna go with an eight uh what about you um just because i know i i was terrible at it and i think i got bored of it because i was so terrible at it as a kid not all the time. I think I, I definitely played more Duck Hunt, I feel like, than I played this game. Yeah, because at I, least I, I Duck Hunt, did. you could cheat. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to give it a seven just because of I, I remember being very frustrated as a kid and I'm trying to mm-hmm. stick to those actual memories and not what I know of the game now. Yeah. So a seven out of ten predicted score, Chris. What do you think predicted score? And now this you have to take into account. This isn't just the it's a classic game, therefore it has to be rated higher. How do you think it'll play? How do you think you'll enjoy it? Will you be so frustrated? Take that all into account. I think I think I'll be frustrated, but I think and this is kind of knowing of all the cultural all that stuff. I think it's going to be a solid platformer and designed well because it was back on the consoles where, you know, you can't have a day one patch. Not that that's kept other games we played from being terrible and buggy, but <laughs> I, I think I'm going to stay with an 8. Because okay. I think it'll hold up pretty well in terms of being difficult, but well-designed. Fair enough. What about you? 
I think I'm going to say an eight as well. I think it will be better now that I, I keep saying that I think I'll be better now in the modern era than I was as a kid. And that hasn't right. proven correct necessarily thus far. However, I think this is actually the exception of I just was not at a level of even like motor skills yet to play this game very well when I was a kid. And I, I, I have actual motor skills mostly now. So I'm going to give it an eight out of 10. And we're going to be able to save scum. See, I feel like yeah, that's going to be a huge benefit. We'll figure it out. Safe scumming is going to be very important, I feel like. Yes, I agree. So it should be really interesting. Yeah, it's going to be a... It'll be, I think, really kind of exciting to go back to this game and really play it for the first time. That's yeah. how I'm kind of thinking, is I, I look forward to actually playing this game for the first time. So hopefully it will be fun. Mm -hmm. Send us back. Yeah, let's uh, let's play that Chiacarina of Time again. Go back to the future and see how it held up. Let's do it. Woohoo! We've emerged from the warp pipe from the past. So how did our playthrough go? Was it was it as bad as we were afraid it was going to be? Because oh. I think the answer is probably worse absolutely worse absolutely <laughs> no no i don't think that's true i think we did a lot better i at least i did a lot better than i expected to do because i never got past like one slash one, two, two as a child yeah. so i did way better than young katie I'm, so screw I'm, you yeah, i was gonna katie. say i'm glad 33 and 35 year old katie and chris are better than like seven and nine year old katie and chris at video games so barely. that's something, I guess. Yeah, no, it barely. Is, it is. So let's do our, let's go into the basics. Yeah. Plot. There is no plot. Rescue the princess. Rescue the princess. Eight oh, times. That's the plot. Correct. So each level would have, yeah, typically a above ground, underground, wild card, and castle. Yes. Always ended on Bowser's Castle. Some of Bowser's Castles repeated themselves in certain ways, which was kind of fascinating. I did notice that. He has a style. He that does is, have a style. That's true. <laughs> Let the man make his art. Yes. Yeah, so again, this is just your standard, your almost original side-scrolling platform. Mm. You jump. You you can go through the levels. You have Super Mario, which is when you get the mushroom, and mm -hmm. then you have Fire Mario, when you have the Fire Flower. I don't know if that's his real name, but I'm gonna call him Fire Mario. <laughs> And for some reason, in my brain, I thought that if you had the Fire Flower, you would just go back to regular if you hit by an enemy. So I've decided that came from later games in Mario, where if you yeah. have a power up beyond a mushroom, you go back to the mushroom Mario. Uh, that's why we both thought that that was going to happen. It didn't. Right. You go straight back to Mario. And so, of course, with Fire Mario, you get to throw little flame balls at people and kill them at enemies, not people. <laughs> There's a variety of enemies, of course, that all pretty much all have lasted through Mario games. I was going to say, future. pretty much all of them are now stereotypes. You have like... the Goombas, the Goombas, which apparently are acorns. Acorns, is that what we learned from Gaming at really? the End of the World? I really thought that they were somehow corrupted toads. Uh, they might be in-universe, but I think he said they based the design on acorns. Oh, I mean, that's fair. I could, like, upside-down acorns? Yeah. And you got, yeah, Koopas, winged Koopas. Koopas with the shells, winged Koopas. You have... 
Hammer Bros. Hammer Bros. Who I just hated the Hammer Bros. Hammer, yeah, because Awful. they pretty much did. They had the same pattern and 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 behavior everywhere, yeah. except for maybe one or two places. But there was pretty much like two or three different levels of boxes, and it would yeah. just jump in between them, throw hammers. So there was a pattern to them, but it was a pain. So you didn't quite get to, I think it was 8-3 that Ugh. they were just on the ground chucking them at you. It sounds like producer Kyle has some insight. Producer Kyle had some insight that he shared with me. So they originally based Goombas on shiitake mushrooms, <laughs> which you can totally see. Yeah, absolutely. But they were created because playtesters playing through the game found Koopa's too hard to be the very first enemy because of the whole mechanic of you step oh, on the, the shell, shell and they bounce. So mm-hmm. they created the Goombas to be the easier enemy. And then they didn't have enough memory to have them properly move, move. So when you're seeing their legs move, they actually are just a reflection of themselves flipping back and forth. You know what? I think I knew that. I think I did know that. Which is adorable. And And it's so clever. It's so clever. And so the acorn is not wrong in that in in, in Mario Odyssey, you can find two, uh, two like locals talking about arguing i should say whether mm-hmm. goombas were based on shiitake mushrooms or acorns and so That's that is actually funny. something like a rumor that they they were based on acorns so <laughs> hello goombas you are literally the easiest enemies in the game they created you to be killed easily that's great you are a tutorial <laughs> as we said earlier the fact that you learn as you go you first yeah. have the goombas then you have the koopas then you have the flying koopas then you get the hammer bros eventually then you get bullet bills then you have the cheap cheaps then you know it evolves as you go yeah well you get the the i don't even know what they're called the beetle looking things the black shells where you can't yeah. hit them with fireballs yeah, and you can't kill them, kill them. You can just stop them, but you can't right. really kill them. Uh, there's the Laiku with the spike things, which yes. are awful because he follows you around and That drops. was something else we learned was that the spike balls, which were the spikies or whatever they're called, when mm-hmm. he drops them, it's an egg that he's dropping that hatches, then they attack you. I just thought they were balled up spinies. No. I just thought they were, yeah, pulling like no, an armadillo or something not. like that. They're not balled up spinies. They're eggs. We looked that up on one of our streams. And that was a buzzy beetle. The little black beetles are buzzy beetles. Huh. Well, at least I got the um, genus right. Yes. And the, 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 the piranha plants, basically you learn as you go. These are just iconic right. villains. Not villains. These are iconic creatures, enemies. enemies at this point. Yeah. As you go through, the levels were pretty basic to start with, but they were really clever in the ways they made it difficult in the how you had to go up and down the pipe system, which... Mm-hmm. You know, it's really cool. If you, again, if you have the chance to go online and look up the maps where they show they like build out the whole map of the level, it's really cool to see how you can how those cheats show up, how you can jump yeah. over certain things and get to certain areas because it's all built in. The maps are also really interesting because something you never dealt with, Chris, because you didn't get that far. We'll talk about that. Is in Bowser's castles, you can get stuck on loops. I did see that in your in your stream. And that is really kind of neat, actually. It's so cool, but screw you, because I did a couple of those without knowing what was happening. (laughs) Why does all of this look the same? Well, especially, I will say, especially because I was streaming, I was chatting and talking to people. Right. So I was so playing, you're just but going. I might not yeah. have been paying enough attention to notice <laughs> I did the same loop like six times in a row. 
And because the levels are so basic, you kind of, you don't even think about it. You're like, sure. Like, I'm just, they just made this really long. And I will say, 8-4 is cruel because you're, it's a loop, first of all. Mm-hmm. Multiple loops. Second of all, the that's way the last to get, level, right? Yes. The way to get out of the loop is you have to go down pipes. So you have to try all the pipes to find the next area that's to get out of that loop. Some of the pipes send you back to the very beginning of the castle. <laughs> so you have to start all over again. And I was so angry the couple of times that happened to me. Because you're just trying to find the next area yeah. and you know you have to go down the pipe. And so you're like, down this one. <gasps> Why am I at the start again? So we can throw back to an episode, uh, an older episode trope of the day with, I would almost call that fake difficulty. Because it's throwing a mechanic that literally has not existed before in in the, you, you know, whatever there's 20 or 32, 33 yeah. previous or 31 yeah, so previous levels, I guess. The other castles, but never like that. <clears throat> never like that, yeah. Which is why, that's totally the reason why it took me like two hours to beat the final <laughs> level and not for other reasons. Was it Was it in any? Because I think I got all the way uh, seven, through. Seven, four is the only other loop I'm aware of. Okay, that's what I thought. I was like, I thought I got all the way through six. Yeah, seven and eight both contain the okay. loops of the castles. And because yes, cruel. I did. I did not finish this game. It it did break me. I mean, it as we said, it's a hard game. It is an incredibly, incredibly punishing game. You start with three lives, no continues, and yeah. obviously, you could get more lives if you get a hundred coins. And you could find the one up somewhere hidden. Which I got a few, but God, it's if it so weren't hard. for save scumming, yeah. We wouldn't have beat, I wouldn't have beaten this game. I spent legitimately two hours on eight slash four, just dying (laughs) over and over again. It was very much like Groundhog Day. I just, (laughs) I kept doing it over and over. I finally beat it. I did. But good Lord, it took me two hours for a level that should take you less than two minutes. I had a hard time adapting to the momentum in this game. Which I definitely did not remember. Like, there was things that I thought I remembered. I'm pretty sure, like like the uh, higher jump if you hold jump. But there's there's a weight to his to Mario's running that I did not remember at all. Like, mm-hmm. it takes you a little bit to get up to full speed, even if you're holding the jump button. So you're running, yeah. and then you skid around so much. Like, especially if you're holding that run button again. Yeah, it's. That just I slid off me. many a platforms trying to stop. Yeah. <laughs> but this is definitely something I, I know why we never beat it as kids, not just because of skill level, but the frustration of just, just running out of lives and just giving uh-huh. up every single time. But again, as I said earlier, when we both in our playthroughs try to do warp pipes and be like, let's go to like 5-1 instead yeah. of like doing all the levels in between and be clever. And we both struggled. Yeah. It was... It was bad. And so producer Kyle actually said, hey, why don't you just go back to the beginning and try it just without the mm-hmm. warp pipe? Because I think it's supposed to teach you. And I was like, okay. And then, yeah, like I wasn't great at the early levels, but I ended up being able to get through and get to those same mm-hmm. areas that I worked to and definitely did way better once I learned the timings better, once I learned yeah. the, like 
precision better. So it was really interesting that happened. So now maybe I could go back and use the warp tubes and possibly, I keep calling them tubes, the warp pipes. Warp pipes. And possibly, you know, do better because of that, because I have the timings a little bit more now than I did when we initially started replaying this. Mm -hmm. But that's also, again, why as a kid, we never any we never would have beaten this game. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I remember. I mean, I remembered how to get to the warp pipes only because I remember in the underground levels being able to yeah, go on jump on top of the ceiling, essentially, uh -huh. and skip most of the level. I remember doing that. And then like, oh, what happens if I go past the yeah. exit and it was like oh so warp pipes that's right so and i think i i yeah i used him a bunch of times at the beginning and just didn't it's like yeah this isn't gonna work this is this is feels like a game where if you want to beat it legit you really you have to practice almost no and then that's a really interesting thing is like yeah this is a game that you get better by just practice 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 this is not a game you could just inherently know yeah it just it's not how it is because it's timing it's such precise timing sometimes yeah. and you just have to know that the next step you take there's going to be a hammer bro that throws a hammer at your face right. sometimes you just have to know that in advance there's no way of knowing <laughs> that otherwise because hammer bros are jerks and they throw hammers at your face also being aggressive pays off in a surprising way. I was I was just about to say that. Yeah, it felt like and and I felt this way in Donkey Kong Country as well that sometimes your best option was to just push forward and press because the best timing to get through a lot of the obstacles was pretty much when the obstacles spawn on screen, so any sort of like spinning flames or yeah. enemies or stuff like that, the best timing is as soon as you run into it, essentially. Well, the number of times that our wonderful, wonderful viewers who watched me on stream playing this and especially getting to Bowser, all of them just kept being like, just run yeah <laughs> and i was like don't but think I don't, about it just I go i don't want to i'm gonna i'm gonna die i'm gonna die so <laughs> it was it was i was too timid legitimately it was like i don't mm -hmm. want to go i'm trying to time it perfectly and people were like just go you're hesitating and that's what's killing you yeah you just need to run <laughs> watch us on twitch and help us with those things i did listen it took i still still <laughs> died a lot but i did listen I, I feel like the castles were really where a lot of that timing came into play. Like some of the ones with, with the Laiku or the Bullet Bills needed that approach, but definitely the castles were definitely like push, 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 push. Especially, and I know this is how I was playing them, like you're really, really hoping you could be still be Super Mario yeah. or, or Fire Mario oh. by the time you get to Bowser. Because hey, getting past Bowser was... So I think much harder. Of the eight castles, I think at least six of them I beat, quote unquote, beat as Super Mario or Fire Mario by using just just running, yeah. knowing just running I'm gonna into die, Bowser. But then you have that moment of invincibility uh -huh. and just being like, go for, go for the <laughs> the switch, the axe, go for, go the, for axe. the axe, go for the axe. Like that was like that was my strategy. And so the few yeah. times that I went in not having that available made it so much more difficult. And yeah. actually that is the one I would say cheat I did in this game is I was so frustrated with the final level 
producer Kyle went back and replayed <laughs> eight three for me to give me Fire Mario so that I could beat so you him have with that insurance. So I had yeah. that, and that's literally how I beat it because it hit me and I ran through him, got the axe. So I that was the only time I think the only time producer Kyle helped me on this because and it, I'm sure I I genuinely could have gotten it myself because I'd gone through that level, beaten it, and I know how to get the fire. You know, I knew how to do that. Yeah. I was just so angry at that point because <laughs> I'd been playing that level for an hour and a half. I just couldn't do it anymore. It was long. It was late. I remember watching that. Yes, yes. Because I was like, please beat it. I want to go to bed and you're yes. so close. Again, thank you to everyone who watched because I had multiple <laughs> people celebrating when I yeah. like, like mes wonderful messages saying, you did it finally. Yeah. Like, yes. Literally got texts from people celebrating this. So, <laughs> thank you. My skills are renowned. I mean, it does. It's that is that is nice about those really hard games, right? Like they do certainly give you a large feeling of accomplishment when you beat them. They do. Even they do. if it's half the time, it's like you're you're feeling good just to like spite the game. I know. It's more feeling good of I never have to do this ever again. <laughs> It still was a ton of fun. Uh, the other, I would say, you, you talked about Hammer Bros and Castles of when you need to run. The cheap, cheap levels were the ones oh, that you just should not they're stop just, moving. Yeah, they're just because they just start flying through the air everywhere. Launching at you in the air. And the really interesting of, like, if it hits you while you're going down, you'd kill it. Versus if you were jumping, it would right. kill you. Oh, But, you know, overall, yeah, being aggressive was definitely a benefit in this game that I... My years and years of being cautious playing video games, because I'm always like, what's around the corner? What are really hurt me in this case. Can we talk about how the invisible boxes were always in the worst places? Invisible boxes? Like the, the hidden boxes where oh, you yeah. jump and most of the time it was like an extra life or something like yeah. that. So you'd be running along and you'd jump and hit this box that you didn't see. <laughs> And an extra life would pop out, and then you would fall in a hole because yeah, you didn't no, know it was there. Or, or it's like the that's number, just a double slap in the face. The number of times that I tried to catch a mushroom, and like and as it's rolling, and fell into a hole <laughs> was higher than it should have been. Right. <laughs> or just you know the number of times I fell into holes. Eh. Um, but, you know, it was fun to learn things, too. Like, they, if it's a very small gap, you can just run across it. Didn't know that. Yes. That's right. much later. Um, or that there was a warp zone in 4-2, I believe it is. There's a warp in 4-2 that gets you straight to 8-1, and that's how speedrunners do it. Oh, see, that's interesting because that's not how, because the first warp pipe is in 1-2. Yes. And, and that brings you, you to... 4-1. Two, three, or four. Four, right. And so, then you go to four, one. But in four, one, you can actually warp to five, one, I believe. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, but if you don't warp in that one and you go to four, two, two then you can get mm -hmm. to eight, one. And that's how mm. speedrunners beat it. That's clever. And we didn't, I again, didn't know that till I was playing on a stream. And someone's like, yeah. why don't you do the eight, one uh, warp? And I was like, I'm sorry, what? what? <laughs> I knew about the first couple. I did not know about that one. And that's, you know... We knew about this game, and we still learned a lot playing this game. Although, again, we did not play this game as in our gaming heyday, I will say. 
No, that we is didn't really true. come back to it. So that is true. That is true. I will give us that. Yeah, I mean, it just it is it is Super Mario Brothers. There, there's not. It, it's hard to sometimes describe it if, to someone who hasn't played it in yeah. the sense of, or and it's. I will say it's also hard to describe it to people who've played it because you know everything about this game. It is so straightforward sometimes, in a great way. It's just yeah. it is what it is. It's yeah. There's there's. I won't even say there's no complexity because that doesn't. That's not fair to the game. No. It's Don't be just. Rude. I, <laughs> how dare you be rude how to your elders? How dare you? I mean, it, it might be older than you. We don't know. I mean, it is. <laughs> well, in Japan. The Japanese whatever. version is older than you. I mean, it's not like there's words anywhere that. No, matter. I lie. The Japanese version isn't older than you. It came no. out in Japan in September. Wow. I am older than this game. Well, that's good, I guess. <laughs> Why wasn't this game nicer to me then? Because it doesn't respect its elders. <laughs> I believe this was the first game Bowser showed up. Because before this, it was all about Donkey Kong versus Jumpman. It right. wasn't, or Donkey Kong versus Mario, and he had other enemies. And now you look at it, and obviously Bowser is the opposite of Mario. Like, uh, there's other villains that you always encounter, and sometimes, mm -hmm. you know bowser ends up being on your team but the point is like it's always bowser mario dk is much more often on mario's side nowadays yeah so it is really interesting that he was originally the original enemy of mario or at least uh cranky kong was if <laughs> those sound effects are just yeah you know everywhere. iconic everywhere it's just mario is a pop culture figure at this point he's beyond video games oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. if, if this game hadn't performed the way it had it it wouldn't be it wouldn't be yeah. so like he is this game really while mario existed before this game I, I i'm pretty confident that this game created the mario that we know and love today mm -hmm. the way they handled it like the way that they developed this game and you, we, we kind of mentioned it with the goombas the way they flip back and forth in order to move because there's such mm -hmm. limited space they were really smart in how they built this game because there wasn't a we lot of space on those cartridges you know and so they 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 did really intelligent fun things that's why they hid you know coins in basic blocks because then they didn't have to design something else looking you know like and that's why bushes were just recolored clouds that they put <laughs> at ground level yeah the, the producer kyle just pulled up the picture of the cloud and the bush mm -hmm. that are literally the same mm -hmm. but that's that's awesome and that's it doesn't matter you don't think about that when you're playing the game and that's no. what's most important i mean the fact that luigi and mario are exactly the same except different colors you know nah that i can forgive it no one cares about luigi <laughs> So, with all that said, Chris, it's time for your final score. So, you gave it a rose-tinted score of 8 out of 10. What is your Boy, final? Boy, that seems score? really high. <laughs> no, that seems right for rose-tinted. I'm, I'm going to give it a 7.5. I think the game design was very good. The mechanics were good. Kudos to you for finishing the game. I just couldn't. It it broke me. I was getting so mad. Yeah, that's fair. But, I mean, it's a solid game. It's the ur example of so many... So many archetypes of games. And it's designed well. Like, sure, it's not that 
complex and it's relatively short if you know what you're doing. Obviously, it's short if you could speed run it. You could beat in five minutes. Yeah. But what about you? You gave it a seven for your rose score. What is your final score now you've played it again? I, I have to agree with you. I think had I been playing the original system with the original cartridge, I would not have gotten past world one or two. I, I just would have been awful at it. Um, <laughs> not so, at the time that we had to play it. Yeah, but even then, like, just this, the safe's coming saved me mm-hmm. very much so. But I genuinely liked playing it. It got really frustrating, and I'm yeah. sure it was really frustrating for people to watch me. But I genuinely really enjoyed it. Um, and as much as it was frustrating, I didn't give up for a reason. I didn't, and not, this is not a critique of you. This is more of a, <laughs> this is more of a, like, stubbornness of i knew i could do it Uh i just needed to hit that perfect moment of doing it and there's there is so much satisfaction in being able to do that and in struggling for a while and finally beating that level that has just been Mm -hmm. brutally hard (laughs) um while it shouldn't be to be fair but it was for me um so i think i think i'm gonna stick with the seven out of 10, I really liked it. It was just so hard. And if there wasn't for saves coming, I just would have failed miserably. And, uh, you know, I'm really okay with saves coming because it's, if it makes you enjoy the game more, like, yeah, you lose some bragging rights, but I, I, I feel like we've made this point before. It's like playing golf. Like I'll kick a ball back out of the rough because it's like, unless you're playing in a tournament, who cares? Who? Why are you going to make it less fun for yourself? And, that, and that's exactly it for us. We're playing these games to have fun. We're not trying to do speed yeah. runs. We're not trying to, you know, be the cleanest run. We just want to have fun. And it was a fun game at the end of the day. It was really frustrating, but it's fun. And that's and and you know I can see why such a huge community has been built around this game. Yeah. Of still playing it now. And you see why later games and why they've taken that idea and like the lost levels exist, which is the sequel that's not the sequel. Mm-hmm. But it's like further levels of this that are impossibly hard. So I'm never going to try it because I know I will fail at the <laughs> lost levels. But I can see why people play it because it, it is so much fun. And there's such a satisfaction of beating a game like this or even beating a level in a game like this is just yeah. so satisfying. Yeah, you really enjoy it. But to be fair, yeah, and, you know, there are people who will stream it online, like Gaming at the Edge of the World, who joined us for the previous episode, who love playing on the original stuff and dying and then starting at the beginning again, and is just happy to do so. And that's not the style of game I play. And that's fine. That's fine. I'd be fully willing to, yeah, set aside and be like, all right, I'm going to do it without without saves coming. I will go for that challenge. But it's like, if I just want to play it, and with the, the safe scumming also gives you the flexibility to do kind of what we did, right? Where it's like, well, I'm only going to save at the beginning of each level. Or maybe I'll save and give myself a checkpoint halfway through. Or... Right. It, it lets you experience the whole game when yeah. maybe you aren't good enough to normally experience it. And it also helps, again, in this modern day and age of... I don't have time to sit here for 12 hours to try to beat this game. I have other things to do, so I'm going to take a break and come back and do it. And it doesn't make the gameplay any easier. No, right? it So doesn't. it still has the challenging gameplay. So, obviously, we normally talk about if any sequels came out. A million and a half sequels came out of this game. The whole <laughs> franchise was built off of this game. 
and then of course all the all the emulate like the 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 NES classic has Super Mario Brothers on it. It's it's worth checking out if you have a chance. If you've never played it, or if you played it as a kid like we did and stunk, go worth back and play again. it again. Yeah, Especially if you're doing something like the mini where you can save, so you can actually see what the end looks like yeah, if you and, haven't. And and then you'll suck as an adult instead of just as a child. <laughs> But that wraps things up for this episode. We really appreciate everyone coming in and listening in. We're 15 episodes in, uh, which is awesome. What is our next episode, Chris? Our next episode is going to be Grand Theft Auto 2 for the original PlayStation. Ooh. So that should be incredibly exciting to play again. I know I think some people are going to be shocked when they see it if they haven't before so yeah it's it'll very be different neat yes it is incredibly from different the, from the franchise so we're really looking forward to playing that that should be a lot of fun though so that game that episode will come out in two weeks uh look forward to that if you haven't been seeing us stream this game we've already been streaming it on twitch try to check it out if you can we should still probably have a little bit more left just because we'll probably play a little bit more um or you can see what games are coming up after GTA. It's a good spoilers if you check out our Twitch. Again, check out our social media. Talk to us. Communicate with us. We're around. We're generally nice people. Generally. You can find us pretty much everywhere at GWGW Show. We have a Twitch. We have an Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can find the podcast on Spotify and Apple, Pandora, Android, Google Podcasts, stuff like that. We also... We also, five-star reviews would be awesome if you guys, or any reviews. We'd love to go over reviews, and if we get enough, we can talk about segments, and maybe you could challenge us to do something dumb on stream. Who knows what'll happen? <laughs> Give us a so, five-star review. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for listening. We also want to thank our producers, who are always a huge help on the show, so thank you, producer Kyle and producer Lisa. Big thanks. We couldn't do this without you. Couldn't do uh, this without the listeners, the viewers on Twitch. Seriously, we literally would fail levels without the viewers on Twitch. So. <laughs> I'd like to thank the Academy. I'd like to thank my dog. But thank you. We'll uh, see you in the next episode. So say goodbye, Chris. Goodbye, Chris. It's a me. Thought this was the end of the episode? Too bad. Waluigi time. Waluigi time. <laughs>